Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm good. Good. Here we are for another week of Real Personal Finance. Let's do it. Yeah. We have a question today. Are we going over topic today? We're going to go over topic today. For those of you who are submitting questions, please submit your question to realpersonalfinance.co. Hit submit a question. When you do so, we're actually going to ask you to fill out a scorecard on an app on your phone called Elements that will help us answer with a better framework. We're always going to say it depends still because we won't know all the details to be able to actually dispense financial advice, but we can give a framework that will help you and other listeners have a better understanding of your finances and look at how to monitor your finances in the future. So it's pretty cool and really excited to start taking our financial planning teachings to the next level. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you guys really do appreciate the work we do here, please, please, please share it with your friends on social or leave a review. Five-star reviews are helpful and tell us what you like and we'll keep doing it. So thank you so much. But for today, we were thinking that there's a topic that's just so exciting. We just had to talk about it. It's actually not that exciting. It's probably one of the biggest ought tos that there is in personal finance, but it's one that's really, really important. So today we're going to talk about insurance. Oh man. Yes. What a treat. Well, it's- insurance. And also on top of that, so much of what we do on this show, so much of any financial guidance is kind of like in a, not in a vacuum, but it's here's what you do with this or with that. It's the hardest part for, I think a lot of listeners or anyone that reads blogs or watches videos is like, how do I put this all together? Like this is good information here. That's good information there. Well, let's just come back to the basics and say, let's go through the we won't say all the insurances. There's so many different insurances you can get, but what yes. are the core insurances that we see people not having because they're not always required to have them legally, but need to have them? And let's make sure that we're we're going through that. So really good. That's point. what today will be about. And yeah, I'll just caveat that right now. We're not going to cover today property and casualty insurance. Property and casualty insurance is a fancy way of saying homeowners insurance, renters insurance umbrella policy, personal articles policy, earthquake insurance, what else? Auto insurance. Those are like the big ones, right? Yeah. We're not going to talk about those today. We'll do an episode on those in the future because there are some important things to look at to protect your property. But today we're going to think more about protecting your life and the human capital that you have while you're working. Yep. Absolutely. Because the, you know, auto insurance. You have to have that if you want to be a driver. So thankfully, like it's one of those things, like you're going to get it if you want to drive. Yeah. You don't have to get life insurance. You don't have to get True. long-term care insurance. You don't have to get disability. So let's, what are those things that the kind of, the impetus is on you to go out and get and help you understand what maybe you need to look for 
in these policies. Yep. Let's do it. Where do you want to start today? Uh, let's start with life. Probably the biggest, well, I shouldn't say the biggest, but one of the biggest ones. Let's start with life insurance. How totally. do people wade those murky waters of what's needed, what type of policy is needed, how long is it needed for, should it be an investment, all those fun details. Yeah, so much to unpack there. Um, we'll keep it pretty high level today, and then we're going to refer back to episodes we've done previously if you want a deeper dive into these topics. You know, for life insurance, where I would start, I just think of James, and I think, James, you know, you got married and you had a baby. Sutton's awesome, mm-hmm. and what, six months old now? Six months old. In the joy of your life, I'm sure you're wrapped around her finger already. But, you know, before you had were married and had Sutton, your need for life insurance was actually probably pretty low, right? You didn't, you didn't have anyone relying on you. You didn't have any, I know we talked in previous episodes about paying off debts. Like you didn't have any debts. It was you making a living, living a life. So you didn't really need to protect your human capital. And, and the way that I think about life insurance is if we just, I wish I could sketch today, but if I could sketch, I would say lifetime income for James from the moment James left college is going to be some million dollar number, like multiples of millions, right? Because it's just, it just is, if we look at the average work total income over for a college graduate over a, you know, their total time frame of work, it's probably a couple million bucks. And when you left school, you basically had $2 million. I'm just going to make up a number and pretend $2 million of human capital and $0 on a balance sheet, right? Or maybe it was even negative. If we had a little bit of student debt, but in that instance, like you didn't have any, you didn't need to protect your human capital how much you're going to earn. Human capital basically just means what am I going to earn between now and the when I retire, Yep. right? Because I'm going to go earn money and some of it I'm going to save and I'm going to build a balance sheet with it. You know, we talked about how to calculate your net worth in a previous episode. And so when we don't have, if we don't have a need to protect our human capital, we don't need life insurance. But the moment James got married and had a baby, all of a sudden you need life insurance. At least I, if I'm your advisor, I'm going to be like screaming at you to go get it because you need it. Yeah. And it's, it's a very needs-based thing. You, as you mentioned, when I was single and not married and no children, if I pass away, yes, it's sad, but no one's financially dependent upon me. And I, I get married. And really sad because I wouldn't have been able Scott to Scott would be devastated, anymore. but you know, you would have been okay financially. You know, I you, would. you would, uh. You would do a surf in remembrance of me and you would you would go on. Financially, sure. you're going to be okay. Yeah. Now, wife and a baby, if something happens to me, the consequences are much more drastic because right. there are people that are financially dependent upon me. Yeah. So with life insurance, it's not something that universally everyone needs. There's a point in your life where you're it's too soon. You don't need it because no one's financially dependent upon you. And there tends to come a point in your life where you have enough money and savings or investments or assets you also don't need it because yes, people maybe are dependent upon assets or income, but you have the assets to recreate it. You don't need to transfer that risk to an insurance company through some version of a, of an insurance policy. So true. The only other thing I would mention about life insurance, well, we can talk about what type of life insurance in a second, but when I just think about insurance as a whole, the point you just made is so important. Some people need it. Some people don't. You probably don't need it forever. But the thing that I always think about is, what's the probability of something happening to me? And then I want to know, and, and like the probability of someone dying when they're young is actually pretty small, right? It's not, yeah. it's not a big chance. I mean, it depends on what line of work you're in, of course, right? Like 
our service members, God bless them. Like, like when they're, if they have to go into war, obviously their chances of, of passing away can be much greater than the average American. So that's, that obviously changes probability. But for most Americans, the chances of us passing away while we're working in our working years is actually really small. But the magnitude that it could have on Sutton and Ashland's life if James were to pass away right now is really, really big. Right. And so anytime we have a probability that's small and a magnitude that's really big, that's when we want to look for insurance. Yep, exactly. You're transferring that risk. You're paying very that's, – that's why term life insurance is so cheap. If yes. I go get a policy when I'm 25 years old for, say, 20 years – the odds of me dying in that, they're not zero, but they're very small. So the insurance yeah. company is saying, we're using a lot of large numbers. If we insure thousands and thousands and thousands of people, just like James, statistically, some are going to die, but the majority won't. And so yeah. we can have everyone pay a premium that's much smaller and in doing so protect those that need it. And you know, it's one of those expenses. It, it turns into an expense if you don't need it, but it's an expense you gladly pay because you don't know what could possibly happen. Absolutely. So we did a, we did the full episode, episode number 14, actually one of the first episodes we did, do I need life insurance, where we walk through in more detail what that needs to look like. Not just do you need it, but how do you determine how much you need? Yeah. Scott, you mentioned one way. What's the human capital what that's lost? Now say you're, what's going to be your income that's now lost for the next 10, 20, 30 years if you pass away? Exactly. That's one way to approach it of how do you replace that with life insurance? Yep. Another is simply, okay, if I pass away, is there a mortgage that needs to be paid off? Do I need to replace my income for some period of time? And then can I you know, put some money into a college fund or retirement fund to replace what's not going there? Yeah. How do you just kind of fill up the buckets that need to be filled if the income's not going to be there to Like you said, for you? need to be filled. So we call that needs-based analysis. And what I was talking about before, we call human life value analysis. So yeah. both work, go check them out. You know, I don't even want to spend a ton of time on it. I just want to give a shout out that term life, which is like buying essentially your auto insurance is typically the way we think it makes sense to go. And what that basically means is I'm going to pay some premium every month for 20 years. I'm just going to pretend I need a 20 year term. My price isn't going to change. And after 20 years, if I didn't use it, I stop paying those payments, but I get no other benefit. And that makes it very inexpensive. We did do another episode. Episode 123 was should I invest in whole life insurance after maxing retirement plans? And episode 129 was should I cancel whole life and buy term? Yes, listen to both of those if you want to learn any more about universal life or whole life versus term. But we are big advocates for buying term insurance and not trying to use insurance as an investment product. Perfect. Life insurance check. What's check. next? Let's talk one thing that is more likely to happen in our working career, which is what makes it more expensive because the probability of it happening is higher, is disability insurance. So disability insurance is something that we need as well. You know, life insurance, you could actually kind of flip it on its coin and call it like death insurance because that's basically what it is, right? I die, someone gets paid. Disability yep. insurance, again, you kind of think like my inability to work. How will I pay my bills? I have a mortgage. My kids need to go to school and do the sports that they do and live the life that we live, that we're accustomed to. We don't want that to change. How's disability come in on that, James? Yeah, disability, we've talked about this when we had the episode about it, where we discussed it in more depth, and that was episode number 34. 
mm-hmm. can be a lot more financially devastating than not yes. having life insurance. And the reason yes. is if I become disabled now, not only is my income gone if I'm fully disabled, but also I have the there's the added burden of my family taking care of me. Right. So it's not only is there no income, there's also higher expenses with life insurance with passing away. I don't want to say, Oh, only are you no longer have an income Obviously, that's a whole different story, yes. but there's no additional expenses outside of maybe some burial costs or funeral costs or whatever that is. So disability, there's two types, there's short-term disability. And that's typically if you have a need for six to 12 months or less, and then there's long-term disability and long-term disability Depending on your policy, this might be benefits that are paid for five years, 10 years, till 65. Really depends on the policy. Yep. But it's going to replace your income for a much longer period of time, typically up to about 60% of what your income was. Yeah. Why is it like 60%? Why do they do that? A couple of reasons. One, adverse selection. You know, they don't want to say, if you get disabled, we're going to give you 200% of your income because that would incentivize a lot of people to. Try to go, go jump off the roofs and try to try to ah. become disabled. <laughs> but two, you know, when you I look can't at take it, these Zoom calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me find the, the the nearest roof and and hopefully just break a few ankles and not do anything too bad. But people hear that and say, "Oh my gosh, well, if I'm disabled. Like, I take a sixty percent pay cut." Well, not necessarily. If you pay mm-hmm. for these premiums with your own dollars, your own after tax dollars, that sixty percent is tax free. Yes. So compare that today. Where today your income's coming in, 100% of your income's coming in, but how much is going to federal taxes or state taxes or payroll taxes or 401k or other exactly. deductions, you're probably left with a lot less than actual 60%. So it's, it tends to be an amount that's going to replace maybe even then some what you're currently taking home today, depending on your tax bracket. Such a good point. Such a good point. Yeah. You know, short-term disability, I think people can either, you know, kind of, you can kind of choose it or lose it in my opinion, if you have a good emergency fund, right? Because most short-term disabilities are going to pay out somewhere between 30 days to 180 days maximum, depending on the policy length. And you may want it, you may not want it. If your employer includes it and they don't go for it, if, if, if it makes sense, if you have a big emergency fund and you be okay using that for short-term disability issues, then you don't really need to make pay for that policy. For long-term disability, I think it makes sense for pretty much everyone who's working to have some type of coverage. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. If Unless, again, are you... 62 years old, still working, have more than enough assets where something happened to you. It's a huge bummer, but it's not going to be financially devastating. Thank you for the caveat, because I fully agree with you. If you're financially independent, you know, if you can live off your assets now, yes, you don't need disability insurance anymore. But if you're in your working years and you're building your financial kind of house and putting it in order, it's an important one. It's an important piece. And even with a disability, there's, there's different versions and we won't go in depth into it but there's own occupation is it like are you disabled and can't perform your specific job but you can go get another job because you still are physically able or mentally able to do so yeah some disability policies will cover that some disabilities won't so understand what you need but yes it is a very very important piece of insurance that unless you're financially independent you really need to have it Fully agree. And and as you were just mentioning, like if you're a listener and you're highly specialized, you're highly skilled, you went to think of it as like extra schooling. So places where we like 
kind of get after people to go get own occupation uh, disability insurance or are people who, for instance, like perhaps you're a physician, but you're not just a physician. You went and got specialty training to be a special type of surgeon. In that instance, you want to have an own occupation policy so that if you can't do that work anymore at that level, you still get the rewards for all the work that you put in across those years. Exactly. So disability, very important. Life and disability are kind of those two really crucial you know, crucial for resiliency of any financial plan, right? And especially if you have family members. Absolutely. What about long-term care? Should yeah, I, know, as a 33-year-old, be... The way we teed this up, we started with like, you got to get it, really got to get it. And now we're going to get like, ah, long-term care. Long-term care, when, you know, when, when I mentioned like why people get life insurance, insurance is probability of it happening is small magnitude of it happening is big. Yeah. Well, the problem with long-term care insurance is that we have an aging population where more and more and more and more of us are going to need long-term care. Yep. So what was written as once a fairly reasonable long-term care policy, most insurers don't really offer long-term care policies anymore. They now offer things like either annuities or life insurance where they'll add long-term care as a rider to the policy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest thing for long-term care is like, the chances of needing, a, of having a long-term care event are not low. Yeah. They're, 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 they're decent, but people hear this and they say, oh my gosh, it might cost 5,000 a month or 6,000 a month. Or, and obviously depending on your financial situation, that has a whole different kind of meaning to it. Right. But what people aren't taking into account is, so. You know, for example, someone will come to me and say, hey, I want to retire and I want to spend $9,000 per month. I say, okay, right. great. And then they look at long-term care and say, oh my gosh, if I need a long-term care or, or if I have a long-term care event, it's going to cost me 7000 per month. Right. And they kind of have this tendency to think they stack on top of each other. But the reality is a lot of that 9000 of your basic expenses would go away and fold into that 7000 So yep. this is just one little example, but it's a very misunderstood area, I would say, where a lot of people, if you want to call it self-insured, but self-fund, depending on what it's projected to look like in your future, long-term care can be very expensive. Yeah. And you, if you need it, you need it. And you need to have a plan for it. But sometimes the best plan could potentially be to self-fund. Other times it could be, as we talked about, transfer that risk to an insurance company. As you mentioned, it's expensive. And it's a very difficult thing for insurance companies to do, to try to predict how many people will need this. How do we price these policies? How much can we cover? It's, it's probably one of the more difficult insurances to agree. And, and two, two things on that one to, to your exact point, the, the, the insurance companies were thought like, yep, probability is happening relatively small when they started doing long-term care policies, magnitude high. So we can create an insurance product around it. And then with the aging population and better medicine, more and more people are aging to a point where they need long-term care. So those original policies, the insurance companies were underwater on all of them. And so the way regulation works with insurance companies is insurance companies are mandated by each state's insurance kind of board. And they started going back to California and all the major states and rewriting their policies, coming back and basically saying, hey, guys, we messed this up. We need to charge people more for this policy, which is why you don't really see them anymore. 
to your point on self-insurance, what James is saying is I use my existing investments and my existing cash flow, so my, my social security and the investments I'm living off of, I use that to fund long-term care if I need it in the future. Another thing that we'll often see people doing is they'll utilize equity in their home to help with long-term care needs as well, which is oftentimes not even thought of as a financial asset, right? So mm-hmm. maybe you in the end, you know, you're, you know, typically uh, like Amanda and I, typically wives outlive husbands. So if in a worst case scenario, I pass away and she needs to go to an assisted living home, maybe she has dementia or Alzheimer's, knock on wood, that never happens to my wife. But if it did and the kids needed to support her and we had no other money, they could sell the house and utilize the equity in the home to help fund mom staying in a place where she's cared for, right? So there are ways to solve for it. I think the biggest thing to your point is to make a plan. I know it's something that we do with with all retiring clients is we build in a long-term care scenario happening for the couple. So it's just built into the plan. Yep, absolutely. And if you're planning for it, that's the most important piece. Maybe the plan calls for insurance. Maybe the plan calls for your marketing portion of your portfolio or your net worth, like your property for it. But there are things to do. Exactly. What about health insurance? Is that important? It is. And and yet again, let's look at that probability of something happening. Something's going to happen to you health-wise. Magnitude can be really high. Well, that makes it about the most expensive thing there is, right? I know, like, I'm not scared to share. I think for a family of four, we pay around $20,000 a year for insurance, in the great yep. state of California, right? It's expensive and it's not even a good plan, right? Like that's the HSA eligible high deductible plan where we get to have like a, I think it's like a $13,000 family deductible. Yep. Yay. But guess what? We need yep. it because <laughs> if something yeah. happens, we would be, we could easily be bankrupted by medical costs if we had to foot the entire bill. And thankfully, health insurance is one of those things like people know they need. Unlike life insurance or disability or long-term care, it's all, let's just push that off. We maybe don't need it. Health insurance, you probably know you need. And if you're if you're kind of fortunate to work at a company that provides it, you've got those options in front of you. The bigger question is, what option do I select? Do I yeah. take the HMO? Do I take the PPO? Do I offer or do I select a plan that has a, a high deductible and an HSA option? We really fleshed this out in episode number 63. Yeah, talk about health insurance and how to plan around that. Episode 137, we talked about what do people do for health insurance if they retire early and don't have an employer to provide some of those benefits. So yep. take a look at those for, for more in-depth conversations. But 100%. Medical bills are the number one cause of bankruptcy, medical debt. So when you look at this, how do you have the right insurance in place to cover you? How do you supplement that with, really, how do you, have your health insurance that's kind of complemented by disability insurance, by life insurance, by emergency funds, by things that you have going on in your your balance sheet. So all this really should tie into something cohesively, but these are kind of the the four areas that really protect your financial plan. Ideally, you don't need them very often. Ideally, some of them you never need, like life insurance or disability, but this is what's going to protect the plans you put in place to accomplish your financial independence goals, your college planning goals, your home purchase goals. These are the, this is the protection point around it. hundred percent. Hopefully you don't need it. Anytime you hear, hopefully you don't need it. Look for the insurance product that you can get to cover it, right? Like that's really the end result, isn't it? 
But and also just a, a little mini shout out to especially maybe some of the younger listeners who maybe think they're like made of Teflon and can bounce off of everything in life. If you don't have health insurance, please, please, when open enrollment happens this fall, go just go talk to someone like just so that you know if a health insurance person assists you with getting an insurance product, a health insurance coverage, it doesn't cost more than you trying to do it on your own. So like a little mini shout out to the little firm down the street from me, Schulte Insurance here in Encinitas, California. They help clients look at what kind of health insurance should I have all the time? And you can look at things like, should I be on the ACA? Like, what would my premium be? So you can actually start to figure this stuff out because having coverage is way more important than not. And it doesn't need to cost a lot. If you don't have a lot of income through the ACA, you shouldn't have to pay a lot for health insurance, at least the de minimis level. So that if something happens to you, you're not bankrupted. Because it's just it's so sad to see that happen when, when people have to deal with medical debt. Yeah, exactly. These aren't the fun things to get in order, but these are the very important things to get in order, whether it's health, life, disability, long-term care, have a plan for all of those and understand yeah. what's needed. So like we said, we're, we're, we didn't go super deep into any of these, but these are absolutely four things you should be incorporating in your plan. And hopefully those links to other other episodes will give you more in-depth overview of kind of how to explore this specific to you. So I hope you hung in with us to talk about the biggest ought to there is in finance, insurance. Yep. The second biggest ought to estate planning. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that one again another day. But we'll come back and talk about property and casualty too, because it's important to make sure that your property is covered and the liability of your property is covered so you don't blow yourself up financially. So we can geek out on that next time. That sounds good. We'll hang out, Scott. That's it for me. Hope you guys have a great week. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.